0: So good evening everyone. It was really sweet to meet people in groups today. It's always um so touching to be with people in retreat and as you know we go through this retreat together and it just touches my heart, you know we're all practicing together, uh learning together, growing together. So just hearing the stories and and meeting people, and it's just i it's so much gratitude for that and already this retreat seems deep. Has anyone noticed that like well it's like everyone kind of jumped into the jumped into the deep end. It seems like right away <laughs> uh so which is a good thing, so it just means that there's this openness and willingness to um, to dive in to uh unveil. So I want to start, I want to talk about metta tonight um, from a few different perspectives. Why is metta? Um, And it's interesting, I started practicing 17 years ago and metta on my very first retreat, it was actually right before this hall was, the completion of the hall and Spirit Rock would rent outside venues. And um, I remember I was on a 10 day retreat and They introduced the metta practice, and it was just immediately, it became one of my core practices. It was for my life, and dedicating so much of my time to it, it's still, the depths of it is still being revealed all the time. It's like layer after layer, understanding after understanding of the power of boundless love and compassion, and what that really means, and how to live that. So I feel that it's a lifelong pursuit. It's a noble pursuit. So we're getting some of the flavor of it this weekend. Um, But I think the depths we'll we'll be learning about uh, for years to come. So I wanted to read you this um, little Hopi creation story that I like. And it begins with, The creator gathered all of creation and said, I want to hide something the humans until they're ready for it. It is the realization that they create their own reality. The eagle said, give it to me, I will take it to the moon. The creator said, no one day they'll go there and they'll find it. The salmon said, I will bury it at the bottom of the oceans. The creator said, no, they will go there too." The buffalo said, I will bury it out on the Great Plains. And the Creator said, they will cut into the skin of the earth and find it even there. So, Grandmother Mole, who lives in the breast of Mother Earth and who has no physical eyes but sees with spiritual eyes, said, put it inside of them. And Creator said, it is done. So this in some way reminds me um, of what we're doing here. You know, kind of similar to the, the story about the temple we're sharing last night about the Thai, the statue. You know, it's like things are inside of us. It's that we're always looking. And this metta, this quality of loving kindness is something that's deeply embedded in our own heart. And In our culture, even to say the word, love, people have a lot of mixed feelings around that, (laughs) right? We're always looking for it. Love, love, you know that song, looking for love in all the wrong places? I'd printed out the lyrics, but I couldn't find it, but it's something like, I look and I look, I go to bars, I look, you know, it's like, but all the time it's like, oh, it's inside, right? And there's this shift at some point that we start to realize that everything that we're, we're searching for, everything is, we're looking for, the, this feeling of home, this familiarity, this wisdom, this understanding actually is in this body, in this heart, in this mind. And so we learn about that. There's a prophecy that I like I just wanted to share with you about uh, Maitreya. In the Tibetan tradition there's a beautiful whole prophecy about this period of time that we're living in this eon of time. So an eon of time is so it's a, like a huge vast amount of time in the in the text it's kind of like the whole birth and death cycle of a universe. So um you know just like 60 seconds makes up a minute in a you know, or or you know, and then we we have twenty four hours in a day. We mark these periods of time. We're in an eon right now, and we're considered, believe it or not, to be an incredibly blessed eon, a fortunate eon, where they say one thousand Buddhas will appear to to turn the wheel of the Dharma. They say there's an eon of tremendous light, this vast period of time for those who can attune to the Dharma and hear the truth and follow the teachings limitless possibility for freedom is in this huge, vast period of time. So, um, Shakyamuni Buddha was supposed to be the fourth and the next one is Maitreya. And in the, the teachings, especially in the Tibetan tradition, you'll see statues of Maitreya, the land of medicine Buddha in Santa Cruz. The biggest Maitreya statue I think in the United States is there, sort of in this enclosed and Maitreya is sitting, is a sitting Buddha. I bring out Maitreya because they say that his quality is loving-kindness. And um, Maitreya, the name is derived from the Sanskrit word Maitri, which means universal love. And um, he'll be the fifth Buddha to appear. And they say, right when Shakyamuni Buddha's teachings almost go out, like a candle flame that's almost out, right? Almost gone, and out of great love, my trail will take birth and then spin the wheel again, relight the candles, take the Dharma again out into the sharing it with the people. But his emphasis is this tremendous love and compassion. Kindness is the the course that he will share the biggest teaching. Not and they say the the love and also the precepts. The love of the precepts of non-harming and living wisely. So. I really always appreciated that, you know. Rather it's true or not, who knows, right? We kind of who knows. It's a nice legend, isn't it? <laughs> right. It's kind of it resonates in some way with me. So here we are, trying to practice loving kindness. It's not easy, is it? Right. There's the practice. Actually, is harder than we could ever imagine. A meta retreat, you know, I never say anything on the first night, but there's always this tremendous bow, like, okay, here we go, right? (laughs) Because really we dive in the shadows with the, the meta retreats, right? When we say, if you've ever said with your whole heart, may I awaken to love, may I have boundless love, or may I become free, even if you say that, okay, everything in the way of that open heart comes out. It's important to realize that the Dharma is the path of purification. We're cleaning the mind, we're cleaning the junk out of the mind and the heart and the body at the same time. We go through processes, so when we're on meta retreats in particular, it's a certain intensity of purification that can come. We have these super high highs where we're soaring in the all love for all beings, right, and we think, this is it. We think it'll stay like that, right? Click, it's clicked on, I'm fixed, right? Love every direction. How could I ever go back to my old self? This is great, right? And then there comes maybe after lunch, over, and then the crash, right? Or <laughs> back into it. And those ups and downs in the meta practice is what creates um, some of the most difficulties. Right, We see the shadow. We see the um, places where we're stuck. I want to read you um, a poem by Wendell Berry because often on retreat what happens is we have to go into the underworld. We go into the unconscious parts of the mind. We have to be willing to look at where the roots of suffering lie. Right, We have to go down, 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 down into the rabbit hole, look at what's going on, the murkiness, the swampiness, the the thoughts that are creating suffering, the hatred, the delusion. We have to kind of be willing to go down into that. And that is courage. It's courageous, actually, that people do that. I have a tremendous respect for that. I myself have gone through so many layers of, of this kind of digging in the depths of the, you know, the underworld of the mind, what lies there, you know, what's what's hiding there. Wendell Berry, his poem, To Go Into the Dark. To go into the dark with a light is to know the light. To know the dark, go dark. Go without sight and find that the dark too blooms and sings and is traveled by dark feet and dark wings. So sometimes we have to be really willing to kind of go to the places that are uncomfortable. We have to be willing to kind of sacrifice ourselves up to that. Like, here we go. Let's go down. What's going on down here? And if we can bring a certain amount of love and compassion, we can take out some of these big roots of suffering, right? Not just chop them at the top, but actually pull out some of these roots that create pain that are unconscious. Right, that we're not so aware of. So what I've discovered about meta retreats is that this practice of loving kindness purifies you'll you'll encounter three things, three aspects of very intense purification. One thing that people encounter, I myself encountered on a meta retreat, was we're sitting here, may I be happy, may I be peaceful, all the intentions in the world and what happens? Pure rage, like this very deep aversion. It starts off as kind of I hate this place, I hate Spirit Rock, I hate Meta. why am I here? Who's sitting next to me? I hate the food, I right? And suddenly it turns into a huge, huge, um, it can at times get very big, right? It's the opposite. Now at this point, most people feel very bad about themselves. Think, what kind of human being am I? I'm on a meta retreat, and I hate everyone. You know, geez, I've got problems. I gotta go counseling, therapy. You know, they think this is bad. I love that actually, because that in itself is what we're purifying. That energy that undermines that hate that we can actually say, "May I be happy?" And another energy we encounter, you'll never be happy right? We almost, like, something's launching an attack on us, right? The self has turned, we see the aspects of mind that is deeply involved in self-hatred. And this self-hatred is an epidemic of our time. It's the sickness of the West. It's every, it's so, it permeates everything. Like, we, we don't have peace because of this. It's even in the children, right? This way of viewing the self as being wrong or disgusting, or bad, or confused, or it's a way that we abandon, deeply abandon ourselves. So the meta practice really is the medicine, I feel like, for Westerners, right? How do we combat that? How do we heal that? It's like, oh, we see this. Do you know what I mean by this energy? Have you encountered it's this? It's the many names, the self-critic, the aversive, the, you know, there are a million names for this energy. But it's the energy of the mind that is confused and has split and turned against itself in some deep way. It's like a deep confusion. And um, somehow we pass it along to each other. It's like in our sickness, we've, it's like spread, right? And then we get it and our parents have it and then we pass it and then it's in our society, right? And, and we drink it, right? We eat it and we learn it and we start to act it out and we start to take on these views, that are deeply distorted about the beauty of who we really are, right? It's like we believe the clay Buddha is all there is, and then we hate that, right? We don't believe there's anything more than that, or there's some confusion about that. So when we're doing metta intensively, and you sit for many days, you will encounter those parts of the mind that are confused, and that are filled with anger, right, and that are filled with uh, aggression and are confused and want to act out or aversive or reactive in some way and when you encounter that it's really important to remind yourself this is the purification this is the practice it's like okay here we go now we, we turn it on now loving awareness can I be with this right because in the presence of love we embrace those energies that are confused, it's like, okay, let me teach you how to be. Let me teach you the truth. And that's what we're doing with our mind. This is, you know, I told many people today that Spirit Rock is a cosmic hospital, right? I always have seen this, and I was like, I'm a nurse here, and it's like, everybody has a prescription, it's like, okay, you do that, okay, you maybe walk more, so don't sit so. Everybody has their and we're just helping you, right? helping you, but really, it's the medicine of the meta going in. But we're just trying to keep the ship afloat, right? So everybody can do their process in the most loving way possible, right? And some people, it's different for each person, the retreats that happen here. And um, sometimes people are very tired and they have physical things. Sometimes people, it's more mental. Sometimes they go through a whole process. Sometimes retreats can produce nausea and illness as things are being purged out, or um, different breath things happen. Asthma. You'd be surprised at what can bring a retreat. Is not only mental, but the body is healing itself too. I'm sure a lot of people felt extremely tired today. Did anyone feel tired? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this fatigue. Right. It's always interesting, it's like, how can retreats be so tiring? We're just walking and sitting, slowly moving around. It's like, oh, I'm exhausted at the end of the day. That's because we've been cleaning our mind all day, right? If you clean your garage for eight hours, you're tired, right? <laughs> it's the same. You know, people, when I was very young, I started going on really long retreats. Nobody understood in my family what I was doing. I'd be months away at these places, and I'd come home, and they'd think, well, I hope you had a nice vacation, <laughs> and I would say, are you kidding? Do you know what I've been through? I need a vacation now. You try cleaning out your mind. This is brutal, right? <laughs> Going through all the ups and downs of retreat, encountering all those forces in the mind and alchemizing them with loving, loving awareness, <laughs> right? It's, it's a process, So one has to be comfortable with the shadow. We're not comfortable in spiritual communities with pure rage. We think, oh, God, this isn't spiritual. Let's suppress it. So we can't really move forward when we're doing that. There's a way we have to liberate that energy out. Like, okay, what is this? Wow, it's really big, actually. Anger is powerful. It's a certain energy of force in it. It's like, whoa, what is this? We have to come to know it. Han has a beautiful book about anger in the bookstore, and how to work with it. His Holiness the Dalai Lama also has a book about just specifically how to work with that, with that energy, skillfully. Right? We dance with it. We open to it. We learn from it. So it's not so much about shutting down. It's about discovering how to be present with kindness. So, anger is one of the qualities that comes. Directly, we purify directly, right? Often on retreats, I'll never forget this one time, I was in Yucca Valley teaching retreat down in Yucca Valley, and there was this guy who came in, he was from New York, and he sat down, he's like, I hate meta so much, right? The way you guys teach it, sappy, it was going on and on, like this tangent, it was like a one-on-one interview. And so I just started laughing at one point, and I was like, yeah, I really get it, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. And then I said, you know, sometimes when we hate it that much, we really need it. And then he just kind of melted, and there was like a little tear, you know. I mean, I think I do need it a little bit, (laughs) We're like, yeah, let's just start where you are. Don't try to be lofty. Just be friendly to yourself. Don't go for boundless, you know, don't, don't, don't. Start where you are, not where you're not. Start where it's easiest, right? You know, we teach teenagers to do meta. We started, temple used to do this with puppies, right? we say, see, imagine a whole little group of puppies. And then, yeah, we see the puppies, yeah. Don't we all love the puppies? Yeah, we love the puppies. Of course we love puppies. Little cute puppies, who doesn't love? You know, we start there. It's like, and then build, right? like let's just start where it's easiest you know sometimes people on the first day they want to go to the most difficult trauma they ever had and the person who did something really horrible and go I'm gonna do meta for them that's not a good thing to do right now <laughs> right we don't really have the muscles for that yet <laughs> right we'll get taken down at that moment we'll get there few days we'll get there but trust in this kind of building up of the fire You know, like one little log and then another log. We have to be willing to embrace ourselves where we are. Rumi, uh, a cute little quote he wrote, he said, A pearl goes up for auction. No one has enough, so the pearl buys itself. You know, we have to be kind of willing to do that. You know, we take ourselves on, like, okay, here we are. In the end, it's your mind, and you're the doctor. You're the real doctor. You're the, real, you're the person who's there when nobody else is. So it's a really, really important thing to do when the mind is in rage and in anger, not to abandon oneself, but to turn towards it, toward the wave, in a way. Okay, the second thing that happens with purification very intensely is a incredible, which this one I feel like is almost little, I don't want to say dangerous, but alarming for me because it's so pervasive. In meta retreats, and teaching metas. An intense numbness. People sit and sit and sit and they say, I don't feel it. I'm saying it, I'm saying it, I'm saying it, and I don't feel it. And often, it's so interesting because I was writing about this. They talk about an experience of feeling something over their chest, over the heart, like a steel. They'll start... It takes a little time to feel into it when you feel that there's nothing happening. And you say, this is numb. I'm saying phrase after phrase after phrase. And there's this intense... i just not feeling my heart. I don't feel the warmth. I don't feel my body in the way that you guys are describing. Many people report this. And so... I am really interested in that because of the similar descriptions wherever I go of something being enclosed, like an energetic thing, and what happens is through the the qigong and through the just saying it over and over, this armor that is we carry starts to melt right it's almost like the heart is so enclosed, right we put up so much protection that over time what happens is the meta it, It's like we break through it brick by brick. We're taking it down. So on retreats, by the end, the people who often have the most numbness, by the end, they usually have a huge breakthrough at some point. And finally, the brick came down and it went in. It's like, I felt the love for the first time. So... If you're feeling that sense of numbness, or you felt this in your life, or you feel that this is like, well, I feel a pattern here, but I can't feel, or someone else is saying, I love you, and I can't feel their love, or I can't open to my own well wishes, right, it's blocked in some way, just know that this is deeply uh, being purified by the practice. It's like we're just dismantling our elaborate systems, right, our elaborate defense systems, which we take on because we're afraid, right? We've been hurt or there's trauma, right? But at some point we have to take it down, right? We get free. We decide living behind the security system is more painful than just taking it, dismantling it. Um, I just want to tell you a story about how I had something similar to this. A couple of years ago, I went on a five-month meditation retreat And um, I was in Crestone, Colorado. And then for three of the months, for two of the months, I was in a small little meditation center for for yogis. And then for three of the months, I was alone in a cabin. And um, I was really high up in the mountains in Crestone. And um, this retreat was really one of those kind of life-changing retreats. I thought being in a cabin would be really fun and exciting. I was like, I just had the fantasies. You know how you want to do something, and you only see the beautiful part. It's like me and the Mother Earth and the birds, and I'll be alone. Nobody will bug me. I'll have uh, anyway. It became this whole three month uh, in, incredible experience of purification of the heart through tears. Through uh, I just it went on and on and on. It was um, uh, quite beautiful, but in the in the process, it was very intense. Um, but what happened was I was doing a lot of purification practices and I was working with the hard and love practices and I was alone hour after hour and I wasn't eating very much and I wasn't sleeping very much. My mind just kind of clicked into an on mode, present, right? So it was, you have to learn how to be, right? You want to be present with love. So I had to practice that and with all these difficult mind states. So I was really practicing and really practicing. And one night I had this dream. I'll never forget it. It was so powerful. Um, This woman came. I was, you know, and I had just fallen asleep for a couple hours because I would stay up late and I just was not tired. I just had energy. So um, I just fell asleep for like a couple hours. And this woman came, kind of looked like a deva or something all in white. And she said, Spring, um, are you ready to let go of all your weapons? And by that point, I had gone through so much around anger and and egoic consciousness. I said, yes, right? I didn't hesitate, which was good. Before, I might have been like, well, I don't know if I want to be totally defenseless, you know. Again, this is mind. So I said, yes, I'm ready to let go. And then for about the next maybe 45 minutes, all of this energy of what I was seeing was... uh, armies coming out tanks Then it was semi-automatics and every kind of weapon on the planet and it was like numchucks and ninjas and whole weird like you know those medieval torture devices like those things that have a little spiky head on it and people bonk you and it was a kind of weapon and gangsters and all kinds of security system it was all coming out of the center of my chest for about 45 minutes and i remember being like oh this is inner disarmament <laughs> it was like nonviolence <laughs> right because you know when that process was over and i woke up i felt like a tiny child on the planet alone and I felt that my security systems were gone. I remember shaking and being we like, "What's going to happen to me now?" Right? <laughs> because we use those things when we, somebody quote unquote messes with us. We pull out a little, little thing or you know, boomerang or whatever. We're defended. We defend. We defend. We defend. We fight. We fight. We you know, the ego. Those were the weapons of the egoic mind. Right. And so I remember just shaking, it was like being born again, just tiny, felt like a child on the earth, just lying there, feeling like, okay, can I live like this? And I was like, yes, yes, love is actually way more powerful, way more powerful. And that set me again, another layer comes down. Rumi Another poem by Rumi. A Dharma talk wouldn't be Dharma talk without a lot of Rumi poems, yeah? We have to read them, they're good. So Rumi's poem, he says, This is love, to fly toward a secret sky, to cause a hundred veils to fall each moment, first to let go of life, finally to take a step without feet. So I like this, to cause a hundred veils to fall. That's what our practice is doing. We take one veil down, and another veil down, and another veil down, and it's like, okay, right? And sometimes we feel like we're dying, every veil we have attachment to, and maybe we're shaking, and we're not, we're scared, and I think, how could I live without the veils, my mass, where I hide, right? And we're willing to just let them fall, hundred veils fall every moment so this numbness is really powerful to come back to that and I've seen people have complete breakthrough so if you're in that mode where you're questioning I don't know if I can do this another five days or four days I'm not feeling anything know that you're planting seeds and know that those seeds will sprout because your intention is way more powerful So even sometimes you're not feeling it, it's like, oh, it's cold, there's no warmth, you're planting seed, you're planting a seed, you're planting, it's the intention that gets you through, right? I plant a seed of, may I be happy, may all beings be happy, right? May all beings be safe. So that's the second really big purification, and you'll hit these walls at different times. The third is something that I have a lot of familiarity with, the third aspect of purification. It was actually touched on this morning. A very deep type of sorrow can come with metta. And it catches people by surprise because the practice in itself seems so uplifting, right? You think, may I be happy and peaceful and may all beings are safe, you know, and we wish that for ourselves. And what happens is the sorrow, I've been trying to define it, like what is this grief that comes? Because for me, meta for years produced oceans of tears. I would just be sitting and the tears would just be falling, falling. And I think what it has to do with is when we see the beauty of our true nature, and we see how hard we've been on ourselves, if something breaks our own heart. It's like, oh my God, I've been so hard. And this being is radiant and so kind and so caring, right? And it's like we see that hatred and we see its misplacedness and its confusion, right? And it's like we start to come home to ourselves in some way and it produces a certain type of sorrow for some people. Not everybody, but a group of people will feel this intense s- sadness. I can also describe it as kind of like being homesick, or if you've ever been away from your hometown for a long time, some people, if you live you know, internationally or something, and you go home, right, and maybe you lived here for years, and you go home, and maybe you haven't been to your home in 10 years or something, and you get close. And then the memories come, and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm home, right? And it produces a homesickness kind of coming back to something. It's like a return, and in that returning process, there's just tears. It's sometimes oceans of tears for people. Sometimes some people go through whole cycles. For me, that was probably my biggest one, was going through a whole cycle of tears at different stages of the meta. As the meta went in deeper for myself, it would be like another level of tears. Like, oh, how could I not see how sweet I am? <laughs> or how kind we all are, like our... our our inner light. So one of the things that is important with that is to allow that process to happen with grace, right? And then at times when you feel overwhelmed, to, to give yourself more space to go outside, right, under the sky. Take it on, whenever there's grief I always tell people sit on the earth, right? And we just invite the whole earth body to hold this process with us, this unfolding, right? This revealing, right? It's like, oh, Can I let my own love in? It's really challenging, actually. And when it goes in, it can just touch the heart. It just does. And for everybody, it's different. So I would say allow yourself, if you feel like the tears are coming, it's fine to let them come here. If it feels like it might get really big, you might want to just go walk outside. But it's fine in meta retreats. You often see many tears. And at the end of meta retreats, it's so sweet because people will often be I'll look out, you know, at different times during the practice sessions, and people will just be like this, and and it's like this coming home, right, to yourself again, this caring about yourself. So it's very important to um, see this as a process of purification. I think that's the big thing about it. Because what we're doing here What we're learning here is not the love that we've been taught. It's not this romantic thing. It's not like, I'll love you if. Pure metta is considered boundless. It's one of the Brahma-viharas, along with compassion and equanimity and joy, that the Buddha referred to as boundless states. Meaning they go universal, supernova, the potential for these states of mind. And at times you can tap into that where it's like you lose your whole track of your body and there's just energy going out every direction. Just may every aspect of creation be happy, right? And it doesn't want anything. This is the difference when you know you're in pure metta. You don't want anything. Right? Egos want stuff all the time. What do I get? I'm sending you meta. Are you going to act right? You know, we kind of, that's when you also go off a little bit. If you're sending people meta and you're like, I hope they feel this meta. I mean, they're all depressed and I don't want to deal with it anymore. And <laughs> may you be happy. Jeez. You know, that's kind of, we're in purification mode at that point, right? We're not, the truest quality of meta is we don't want anything, it's unconditional. So when we're training with the teenagers and we say, okay, here's these cute little puppies. Here they are. Do you really want anything from the puppies? Right? You just want them to be happy. (laughs) Like, yes, of course. Be happy here. Be safe. Oh my goodness. We wouldn't want anything to hurt you if something was in the way. We would get it and protect them. And are they sleeping okay? Do they have their food? Why? Just because love loves. We don't need anything from them. Right? We just we protect what we love, right? We, we just want them to thrive and to live a happy life. That's meta. May you be happy for happiness sake. It doesn't want anything, right? Even if the dog chews your shoe, you forgive them, right? Like, well, it happens, right? We, we don't, it's not a, it's not a personality. It's not a, it's not, it doesn't have attachment in it. I'll love you if you're this way, right? It's, it's bigger than that. It's like the sun. This is something I feel like many of us have never really tapped into yet because the frequency of everybody's connection or this idea of love is so attached to romantic connection and clinging and family dynamics where someone says they love us and then they, maybe they abused us. Or, it's so confused, right? So to actually understand what unconditional love is and actually to know the energy of it is unique, you know, it's like, oh, we have to discover this. Like, it's in us. It's like, let's open that. What, what, is, this? what is this? What is this energy? So, um, you know, no wonder we become a little bit cynical at times around it. You know, we know what's possible. And, and um, we have to have patience with ourselves in the process. Patience. So love, I think, is to honor. Recently, it was very interesting, I talk about another veil falling off, I was doing a lot of self-retreat, I'm getting ready to go on another long sabbatical-style retreat, and um, I've been doing a lot of self-retreat at my house, so I sit many hours, and this other veil, I found a part of my being that was still, like, didn't know what love was. It was like I hit this pocket and I was like, What's love? I'm confused. It was like a blackout. It was like, Okay, let's train, like what do you have?" You, you know, and it was like reteaching. Love is honor. It's caring, it's unconditional, it's wishing well. Of course we would want to be happy and, and peaceful. All beings on this planet want happiness even if they are causing destruction. They think that's the path to happiness. Even the ants on the ground want to be happy. You could chase them. They'd want to be left alone to do their ant thing, you know, and live their life, that, that 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 aspect of their creation. And to honor that is kind of the understanding of this friendliness, this universal friendliness to to life. So we start doing that by the moment. Can I be friendly with what's happening, arising here? Right? So, a lot of times what arises here is our trauma, is our fights. Has anyone had any good fights today in the mind? <laughs> Notice that's a lot of arguing. Yeah? <laughs> Struggles. They said that. Ah, oh, I can't believe it. And they did that. And we, we live it again and again, right? The struggle, the struggle. So, we have to kind of know that what we're doing is creating a field of nonviolence. Let's lay all of it down, all of the weapons. Okay. What's really happening here, and can I be present? Sometimes the answer is no, I cannot be present. (laughs) And we honor that, the shutdown, (laughs) right? And then at some point we open again, because staying shut is not our true nature, right? We can't stay like that for too long, right? It gets, the pain increases, so we have to open. It's like, okay, back to loving awareness, right? We try everything else, right, right? Okay, let's do mindfulness. I'm worn out now. I fought a good fight. Right? And that, I think that's always something that has uh, made me laugh over the years because it's like, oh, yeah, another aspect of love and compassion. It's like, okay, deeper insight. So there's this joke I like. Um, you won't be able to see this, but I'll kind of hold it up. You know, Far Side Comics. So. um There's a lot of cows jokes in the Far Side comics, right? So, you know, there's these cows along uh, Sir Francis Drake, and I always say, Hi, cows! You know, they're they're like free, you know, they wander around, they're really big, and they're healthy, and I'm just so happy they can wander and eat grass and be in the sun. And I always think they're doing walking meditation, you know, or something like that. So this joke makes me laugh because this is kind of how love is an insight into love. So there's these cows. There's three of them. They're out in the grass grazing around. One cow on the image lifts up his head and he says, Hey, wait a minute. This is grass. We've been eating grass. (laughs) That's his liberating moment. (laughs) Right? And the other cows are just kind of like back down, like and he's all like, This is what's going on here. <laughs> like, like I'm getting somewhere, right? And that's how it is with insight into metta. It's like, oh yeah, all else fails. Can I be present with kindness? Oh, yeah, another like we we it's an insight into there's no other skillful response, <laughs> you know? And then we start to trust. Like, okay, loving awareness retreat, yeah, I can be with this huge piece of suffering that's emerging and all the tangles that it has, you know, tentacles, you could say. So I've had so many insights like that where it just comes back to like, oh yeah, love and compassion, oh my God, I forgot for a second, or a moment, or a day, right? And then it hits me and it's like, yes, okay, we remember again. So what this retreat is really about is just helping you remember. You already know these things that we're saying, actually, very deep. We just forget. So this is, retreat is really, you could say, a remembrance retreat, right? And uh, as these days go on, you'll, you'll, you'll start to remember more and more. You'll start to see more and more. And you'll start to see this inner beauty, this inner light more and more, right? that's unique and amazing in its own way. So, um, one of the other things to really think about as the retreat goes on is that um, to reflect on, there's a tremendous power in this energy, soul force, and I've also begun to understand that it's much deeper. You know, first we we sort of have this cheesiness with loving kindness, like, oh yeah, love is the answer, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and um, but there actually is a soul force. There's actually a movement behind that energy. When one stands in clear truth and compassion, wow, something shifts there. Whole movements, and I'll talk about this more towards the end of the retreat. The whole social st- constructs crumble in the face of it, right? It's it's like there's some energy that's way more powerful than the deluded mind and all the lies that it tells. Because that's really what we we face on retreat are lies, deeply embedded lies that we tell again and again and again. And they're so painful. That's what hurts so much is somewhere we know this can't be true, right? So how could this, right? So remembering that this energy and what you're doing has a a really big impact on all beings everywhere. It's a huge thing to undertake to purify one's mind. Thank you on behalf of all beings, (laughs) right? That's another reason why at the beginning I bow and like, thank everyone, thank you for doing this, right? (laughs) Because when you love you, you love me. It's that simple. Right? When you love you, you love me. There's no hostility, no wars. You're not going to launch weapons of attack because you're loving you. Right? And that's a beautiful thing. This is a healing for our planet, actually. I feel like that's why Maitreya will come because the next evolution is this love and coming back to this compassion and care and kindness. So we have to train in that. We have to. Um, Be willing to keep coming back. You have to keep the phrases going. You know they cool off, and you turn them up again, (laughs) right? And we sit and we're like, oh, maybe I'm purifying something. I'm angry. I'm tired. I'm I'm not feeling it, right? I'm I'm emotional. And know in that moment, this is what's being purified. Can I come back again? Okay, here we are. May I be happy? May I be peaceful? We get the phrases going, and the phrases become our refuge. Right, And we just keep turning them around in the mind. We keep turning them around. We wake up, we try to remember. And we try to carry them with us. And they're just going in. They're going in. They're going in. Even if we're not even conscious, it just sometimes becomes a mantra. May I be happy? May I be peaceful? And we're thinking about something totally different. But still, those that energy is going. It's like a flame that's lit. right? And we, we just keep stoking it. We keep stoking it. We keep stoking it. And we see what the what's produced by that. We see what we get, we experiment with it. Um, So one of the things with working with yourself, one of the final things I wanna say is that when you're working with yourself, sometimes you will, will encounter the biggest challenge. Right, have you noticed that a little bit? Right, we can send it to the puppies, really great, puppies, love the puppies, yeah, and then we're like, okay, turn it on you, and then it's like the flame died totally out, right? It's like, oh. And we only see our flaws or what we imagine our flaws to be. A couple of suggestions. There's a couple approaches to that. One is that there's two approaches really to working with ourselves. One is that we train with the other categories because we will go through all the categories. The categories are trainings, you could say. We borrow people and then we, we, we get the juice going. So we think of, okay, I'll borrow this person, you know, and then we, we, we get it all going. May you be happy, may you be peaceful, we feel it. And then we put ourselves in. You get it? <laughs> We're always kind of coming back to ourself. <laughs> like, and, we, and then it dies down. And then, and then we, we throw another log on. We think of someone, we get the juice going again. Okay, feel it, feel it. But then when you put yourself in right so the rays are hitting yourself like you're getting familiar with acclimatizing towards love recently when i had what i would consider some strange blackout of this unconscious part of my mind that i came across somewhere in the, the psyche i i can't, that did not understand what meta was <laughs> it was like I don't know. I've forgotten. I've forgotten. What is my And I had to go back and retrain it. And I did it by this movie, this dolphin, or not a dolphin, a whale named Luna. Has anyone seen that movie about Luna? It's a whale that got stuck in this harbor in Canada. It was a little whale, and it was stuck there for six years. And it wasn't stuck because it wouldn't leave. They tried to get it out to the ocean. They tried to, I mean, they had all these attempts. This whale became archetypal in the town. The native people thought it was this spirit and it was ushering in a new revelation. The fishermen, they kind of wanted it to go because they couldn't do their thing. And all these people were coming to play with the whale. And the whale would come right up to the boats and then they started to say, don't touch the whale. And they tried to keep people away and people were breaking the law by touching the whale. It was this whole thing, right? Anyway, I loved this whale by watching this movie. I don't know why I love the whale. Who knows about love? You love what you love, right? I was like, oh my God, Luna is so precious. Oh my God, this whale. And for some reason I got emotional. It, it was a sad ending because the, the whale did get hurt. It got hit in a boat and it passed away. But um, and they, it didn't want to leave. They tried to get it to go. They tried to reunite it with the pod and do all these things. I mean, they spent millions of dollars figuring out this whale situation, like the community. Anyway, so when I had this blackout, and I didn't know what love was, I retaught my mind by saying, remember Luna? And I was like, yes, I remember Luna. (laughs) I was like, you love Luna, that's love. I was like, oh yeah! And then I was back, just like that. Now, turn that energy towards you. (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm Luna. Yes, we are all Luna, right? See, it's like, we are all the categories. You are that. So if we move around, we'll play with the different categories, but you are the essence of all of those. You're not excluded. So we'll borrow those people, and we'll move around, and we'll do mentors and friends, And but always it comes back to you. How are you relating it to you? Can you feel it for you? So the last suggestion I'll have about that is If it's helpful, it's important to see yourself as younger than you are, because um, we can really tap into it when we feel like you imagine yourself at four or five, small, young, right? Because we see the light there. Who wouldn't love our five-year-old self, right? It's like, precious. So that can help, but I want to put a caveat, because sometimes that produces some trauma for people if they had... A very traumatic childhood it can bring up which can have pluses and it can have minuses to go there right but if it was somewhat okay um, see yourself as younger that could be one way to really connect to you in some way and to kind of get that warmth starting to generate right you see yourself as a younger age version so Okay, friends, well, I just had wanted to share that last advice, and the final thing is remember patience with these practice. Patience, patience, we come back and we plant another seed, and we come back and plant another seed, and we get tired and we lay down, and then we get up again and we plant another seed, right? This is the journey, this is the path of purification, right? We keep walking. We keep walking, so patience, please is a huge aspect of love, is to be patient with yourself, patient with the process, patient with the retreat, patient with everybody here, patience with the cook, patience with your yogi, you know, health, you know the person you share a room with, patient with the people you're doing Qigong with, you know, you be patient, be patient, we just, we just take step by step. So to end the talk, I just want to tell a little story about patience. It's called Two More Aisles. So a man observed a woman in the grocery store with a three-year-old girl in her basket. As they passed the cookie section, the little girl asked for cookies, and her mother told her no. The little girl immediately began to whine and fuss, and the mother said quietly, Now, Monica, we just have half of the aisles left to go. Don't be upset. It won't be long. Soon they came to the candy aisle, and the little girl began to shout loudly for candy. And when told she couldn't have any, began to cry very loudly. The mother said, There, there, Monica. Don't cry. Only two more aisles to go, and then we'll be checking out. When they got to the checkout stand, the little girl immediately began to clamor for gum and burst into a terrible tantrum. Upon discovering, there'd be no gum purchased. The mother patiently said, Monica, we'll be through this checkout stand in five minutes, and then you can go home and have a nice nap. This man who followed them out to the parking lot, and he stopped the woman to compliment her. He had observed this. I couldn't help noticing how patient you were with little Monica, he began. Whereupon the mother said, I'm Monica. My little girl's name is Tammy. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes we just wait till lunchtime gets here, and it'll be a nice nap after that, and that's how we get through it, right? With loving awareness. (laughs) Doing our best at all times. That is the practice. So... I applaud all of you and may we keep on taking these veils down together for the benefit of all beings. So we we'll just sit for one moment And just offering some Mesa to yourself and just breathing it in and out. Remembering your goodness. And your kindness. May all beings everywhere be happy and peaceful, We have a walking period, and it's nice, the stars were out, but I think the fog rolled in, but you can still bundle up and walk outside, and then we'll have chanting with Tisha when we come back. So, Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.